I wanted to give you a short intro of this blog post that I wrote in 2016 to give it some context. For the first seven or so years of our marriage, Zachary and I had trials that usually revolved around money, jobs, or cars. Our budget was tight almost always. Small household needs and repairs, car repairs, and so on could just devastate our budget and me because I never knew how we would afford what we needed. And yet, after almost 14 years of marriage, I can always say the Lord richly provided in every instance. Maybe not without some sweat and tears, but we never went without. In James, we know he tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and that we should let that steadfastness have its full effect. So we will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I know that this sounds sweet and good until you are in a hard and difficult trial. And yet they are not just throwaway words. We are people who are born with great lack. Even after the Lord saves us, our sanctification is not complete. We are still needing to grow in our trust and faith that the Lord is in control. We are still required to grow in spiritual maturity as we are being made more like Christ. I once had a conversation with my sister and she made the comment that she wants to grow to trust the Lord so much that she will become unflinching to his will when it is different from her own. I have carried this with me, the desire to be unflinching when life throws us into uncomfortable or downright despairing situations. The Lord sees us even when it doesn't feel like he does. He is still doing a work on us in every single trial. He is filling us up in some place we were lacking before, which is really kind. So yes, we can count it joy even in grief because a work is being done. We are being made more unmovable, more unflinching when it comes to falling in line with the Lord's perfect and sanctifying will for us. I wrote this blog post almost six years ago, and in that time, my ordinary days have become more extraordinary gifts in my eyes because I have felt the pain of the unrelenting months of trial. We have been made a family that is much more unflinching when money problems seek to bring us woe, or when big expenses come, or when a terrible trial happens, because we look back on those trials those moments where we did cringe at the breaking of our will, and we saw where the Lord remained faithful and made our trust more secure in Him and not a circumstance. I don't miss the blessing of a working car when I turn the key to on because I have felt the struggle of a car that wouldn't start. When the Lord takes us through hard places, some much harder than others, we learn a bit more about who He is for us We learn a bit more about not revolting when his will is different than our own. We become more and more pliable in his hands and to his good plans. So yes, count it all joy. We are more refined through our fires. So I pray that you are encouraged.
it was like a perfect storm. Almost like the Lord pretty much set me up. Of course, in a very loving way, but nonetheless, a complete setup. My husband recently got a big promotion at work, a promotion that he had been working towards for almost four years now. It is such a blessing, and with it brings new goals and opportunities. Last Saturday, Zachary and I were discussing said goals and opportunities, creating a new budget, discussing paying off loans early, saving for a down payment, house repairs, etc. We had all these plans, all these hopes, all this trust in our savvy budgeting skills. That was Saturday night. Come Sunday night, I was sitting in my van, staring at the scene in front of me, a cop, my husband, and a totaled car. I was a mess, but even worse, I was mad. One hour earlier, I was sitting at church, not even five minutes before I got the fateful call, I jotted down a hurried note from our lesson. Idols of believers. One, economic security. Two, materialistic comforts. Three, social acceptance. I jotted this little tidbit of wisdom down and had a little moment in my head of, yeah, girl, you have been through so much. You know, all you need is Jesus. and These things don't really matter. Patting myself on the back while pushing away my piece of humble pie. You know that moment? The moment when you think you got it, the moment where you look at yourself and all that wisdom of yours and take your eyes off Christ, yeah, your butt falls right into that water, am I right? Well, not one minute after my pride-filled head session, my phone rings with a little test. Can you step outside? I'm fine, but I just got into a wreck and the car is totaled. Now guys... During our Saturday Savvy Budget session, this car was going to last us at least five more years. And I mean, we had just spent over $1,000 in repairs to keep it up to par. So, of course, it was going to be around for a good long while because what else could happen to it, right? I would love to say that I asked my husband again if he was all right. I would love to say I told him that it was okay. It was just a car and it was just money, as long as he was okay. I would love to tell you I didn't cry and I didn't bang the steering wheel and I didn't have to pray for kindness, but that would all be a lie. I gathered up my purse, stuffed my little jotted down wisdom into it, and started crying, thinking about how this was not in the plan, thinking about how we were going to have to find another car, how we didn't budget for car payments, how I had so many plans, so many plans that the Lord was just really throwing off track. Oh yeah, no idols here, guys, just literally losing it over a busted budget and a crumpled car. When my economic security and my materialistic comforts were threatened, I learned just how much I cared about them. And it was too much, guys. I cared about them too much. My sister handed Zachary an excerpt from a book that she had printed out before all this happened. She handed it to him as we were pulling out of the church parking lot, probably because she saw that I was literally breaking down and because God is good to us. Even when we are ugly, he plans ahead of time to comfort us in our dark moments. This is part of what it said. But he will use no painful remedy that can be avoided. Remember that it is his will that you should be sanctified and that the work of making you holy is his, not yours. 
At the same time, you are not to sit with folded hands, waiting for his blessing. You are to avoid laying hindrances in his way, and you are to exercise faith in him, that he is just as able and just as willing to give you sanctification as he was to give you redemption. And now, if you ask how you may know that you have truly consecrated yourself to him, I reply, observe every indication of his will concerning you, no matter how trivial, and see whether you at once close in with that will. Lay down this principle as law. God does nothing arbitrary. If he takes away your health, for instance, it is because he has some reason for doing so. And this is true of everything you value. And if you have real faith in him, you will not insist on knowing the reason. If you find in the course of daily events that your self-consecration was not perfect, that is that your will revolts at his will, do not be discouraged, but fly to your Savior and stay in his presence till you obtain the spirit in which he cried in his hour of anguish, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Luke twenty two forty two. Every time you do this, it will be easier to do it. Every such consent to suffer will bring you nearer and nearer to him. And in this nearness to him, you will find such peace, such blessed, sweet peace, as will make your life infinitely happy, no matter what may be its mere outside condition. And this excerpt is found in the book, Stepping Heavenward. So see, she handed me this and I read it and the Lord is good. He is kind. He gently speaks to us through his word and through the mouths of writers who love his word. I read this in my unhinged state once I was home and just lost it all again. Oh, how much my heart loved my savior at this very moment. When he was saying to me, until you stop crying and learn to trust me, I will keep letting you practice trusting not in earthly things, but me. I will keep taking away your securities until you realize your only security is in me. I will keep taking away the things you hold up as more important than me until there is none left but me. I will keep crushing your discomfort, daughter, until you are complete and at peace with me alone because I love you and I'm the only one that you can place all your trust in. I still have so much to learn. My holiness and sanctification is ongoing, painfully beautiful. It is a journey. I keep holding my plans too tightly and in turn sometimes revolt against the Lord's perfect will when it does not line up with mine. After the car was wrecked, I woke up to a water leak in the kitchen and a baby with a high fever. Practice, guys. The Lord gives me lots of practice in not freaking out over the small things, the trivial things, so as to build me up when big things might come my way. But really, ultimately, to be able to look at this life, this world, the sin, the trials, the hard stuff, and simply whisper in complete surrender, not my will, but yours be done. I'm praying for you, reader or listener, that this will be our chorus in the days to come, come what may. Hey guys. 
Thanks for visiting the Pender Place and taking a couple of minutes out of your day to listen. In the description of this episode, at the very bottom, it has a link to a voicemail. So if this episode encouraged you, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, I want this to be a place that I can interact with people, and it it really would thrill my heart (laughs) to hear from you. So if you are interested in that, the link is there in the description below. Thank you again for visiting the Pender Place.